Welcome to TSCRA Talk, a podcast about Texas and Southwestern cattle raisers. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Today we have Tiffany Lashman, Agricultural Law Specialist with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. Tiffany, welcome to TSCRA Talk. We are so excited to have you with us today. For sure. Thanks for having me. Now, we're talking about estate planning today, and this is a really vital topic for cattlemen and landowners, but it can be a little bit daunting. Remind us why it's important to take the time to sit down, have the conversations, and create a plan. For sure. Well, you know, I mean, I guess the kind of a cliche quote, right, is like failing to plan is planning to fail. And, you know, I know that we all have things that are, you know, more pressing to do that seem more important that, you know, we've got to have cattle fed and we have to, you know, go to the feed store or whatever. But really, when you look long term, if you want this operation to continue on beyond you, if you want to make sure that this is something that's viable for your kids' generation, taking the time to come up with a solid estate and transition plan is really probably the best gift that you can give to them. Well, I know we could talk for hours about this topic, but to keep it concise today, we're going to talk about five steps for estate planning and transition planning. And the very first one is to create a flat plan for documents. Walk us through what that looks like and what that includes. Yeah, for sure. I always tell people the good news about the flight plan is that it's free to do. The bad news is that you have to do it. So what it basically is, is like a folder where you're going to gather up all the important documents that someone might need in the event that you are like injured and incapacitated or if you pass away. And I, I call it a flight plan. It was funny. I gave a program and, and I was kind of calling it a death folder. I didn't really know what to call it. I didn't love that. And this lady came up to me and said, it's not that. It's a flight plan. You know, like the song, I'll fly away, flight plan. So I've loved that ever since. And so what it is, I just encourage people to try to gather up all of the important documents that somebody might need. So that's everything from a copy of your will, a copy of any sort of powers of attorney that you may have, a list of all the bank accounts, you know, information about who is important in the business, like who's your lawyer, who's your accountant, things like, you know, combinations to safes or information on where the safety deposit box is located. There's a big variety of things there, but just anything you can think of that would be important for somebody to be able to find quickly in an emergency. That makes sense. And then another aspect to that is telling somebody or a couple of people where that is, correct? Absolutely, right? What you don't want to do is go through the exercise, get this all put together, put it in the you know, safety deposit box, and then you're the only one that can access it. So I think it's really important to make sure that somebody else, A, knows that it exists, B, knows where it is, and then C, has access to it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It does. Now, moving into step two, it's important to communicate with the people involved. Talk us through that. That's right. And this is one that, you know, is probably not super exciting and nobody's going to be really thrilled to to have to do this. But it's a really good idea to sit down and sort of try to have a conversation with people that have an interest in the operation, right? And, And I'm certainly not saying that you you know, go sit down with your kids and let them tell you what the plan should be. But what I do think it's important to do is sit down and sort of gauge what everyone's thinking. What are their interests? You know, do they have a desire to come back to the farm one day? Do they not want anything to do with it? You know, what what interests are there? What's the ability for them to work together? 
are there issues with a spouse that might prevent them from, you know, coming home or something like that. And those are issues that until you really sit down and work through them, you probably don't know what the answers are. And I think another thing that's really important to do while you're sort of having these conversations is really come up with what's your main goal with your estate plan. And that is so important because that really drives the conversation that you're going to have with an attorney that's going to help you draft this. And that's going to help you decide what you exactly, you know, what steps you want to take. So, for example, just very basic example, if your goal is, you know, we know that this land is going to be sold. We want to make sure that we minimize what we're going to owe on capital gains taxes. Your estate plan is going to look completely different than if your goal is to make sure that, you know, the grandparents are going to qualify for Medicaid. You're going to do completely different things. And so talking through and figuring out what the main goals are is really important as well. Well, and it sounds like there's no one size fits all with this, that everybody is going to be a little bit different, a little bit unique. And (laughs) I feel like that can make it harder because. There's not just a blanket template. Here's what you do. That's absolutely, no, you're absolutely right, Kristen. And if somebody tries to sell you a blanket template, a silver bullet, everybody needs X, that's probably a red flag that you need to be paying attention and, and that that probably, you better be asking a lot of questions. There are certain documents we'll talk about in a minute that everybody needs, but there is no one size fits all. You know, everybody's you know, going to be able to meet what their goals are with this specific, you know, plan. It doesn't work that way. And you need to be real realistic about what your goals are. And then also what's feasible for the operation, right? So that's where you need to look at things like what are your finances? If you're going to leave the, the ranch to two kids, one thing you better look at is can that ranch support two families, so the, just like I say, lots of things that are really fact specific really depend on the operation and the family. And so, like I say, I, I would sure be weary of anything that's one size fits all. It makes sense. Now, step three is to develop a business succession plan. What does that entail? Yeah, this is a piece that I think it's easy to overlook. And, and I feel like when I sort of separated that out, a light bulb went off for a lot of people. But a lot of times we think about who's going to own X, right? Or how are we going to title this? Or who's going to get, you know, the jewelry or whatever. What we skip looking at is making sure that we have set the business up, the the business, right? Not just the assets, but the business itself to succeed to that next generation. And so, you know, we have to look at the family ranch like a business and we need to think about what do we need to do to make sure that next generation is ready to take over. And so that may be things like, you know, deciding kind of who's going to be involved in what aspects of the business now and getting them involved. It may be things like, you know, determining if we need to set up some sort of business entity to facilitate the passing of ownership and running the business to the next generation. Lots of things to think about there. But like I say, we don't want to overlook the fact that we've got to pass the operation of a business down a generation. It makes sense that these discussions need to take place. Now, I've heard in estate planning conversations that it can be beneficial to have a list of business contacts, such as your banker, loan officer, people you do business with, so that if something happens suddenly, the business could carry on. I think that that's super important. Like you say, specifically, if you've got somebody who's probably going to be coming in that's that's not currently on the farm, 
right? And so what we see a lot of right now, we're seeing a lot of land transition to absentee landowners, right? So maybe mom and dad lived in the panhandle and the kid lives in Dallas or in New York or something like that. And they inherit this land and now they don't know what to do, right? They don't know where to go. They don't know what's been going on. And so the simple act of writing down, like you said, things like, what feed do we buy? Where do we buy it? Where do we sell our cattle? You know, when do we brand and who helps us do that? You know, who's our accountant? Because the accountant's going to be really important in a lot of the paperwork that happens when someone passes away. You just need to think about if somebody has to step in and run this operation, what do they need to know? Because we want them, you know, A, to be able to find it and B, hopefully to have some background or some idea and confidence before they're in an emergency situation. So like I say, it seems like a simple thing to do, but that list can be critically important. Moving into step four, this is where the actual estate plan is created. Right. And I always tell people at my programs, this is what you actually thought you were coming for, right? Four steps into the process. And so what this is, is there are certain documents that everybody needs, kind of regardless of what else you might have. Everybody needs to at least consider the, the four documents I'll list out. The first one is a will. The second one's called an advanced health care directive. The third one is called a medical power of attorney. And the final one is a durable power of attorney. And so, at least in my mind, regardless of your situation, regardless of whatever else you may need to have in an estate plan, everybody needs to have those four documents. Yeah, hearing you talk through it helps where it doesn't seem so overwhelming. And with developing these documents, it's important to work with an attorney, right? I would really recommend that. And listen, you know, I I am a lawyer, okay, but I'm not here like speaking on behalf of the lawyer's union or anything. There are things in the law that you can do yourself, right, that I would tell you, I don't think you need an attorney for that. For example, those documents we just talked about, uh, an advanced healthcare directive, medical power of attorney, probably a durable power of attorney. Those are things you probably can do by yourself. There are statutory forms available on the internet that you can kind of fill in the blank and, and probably be fine. Things like a will, things like setting up a plan with various business entities or trusts, those sorts of things, I really recommend that you work with an attorney to get that done. And I know that it's a cost up front, but I'm telling you the amount of money you can save by avoiding problems later, it's well worth it to work with somebody who really can help walk you through these issues. That makes sense. And then looking at the will and these documents, I think it's important to note that when there is a big life change, it's important to reevaluate those documents. Absolutely. I will tell you, it's easy to forget what you've done, right? And a lot of people will make a will when they have kids, and then 30 years from now, they don't have a clue what's in there or who is named for anything. And what I do, once a year, I pull our flight plan out of where we keep it and flip through it, right? Just pick a date. I do it on January 1st. We take it out. We flip through the documents, make sure that we don't need to make any changes because things happen, right? The, the big D's, uh, my friend Pat calls them death, divorce, you know, people that get married, that can be an issue. New people are born. All those things that, that can come up that may necessitate a change in that plan. Another thing to keep in mind, and this is really important and easy to overlook, is you need to remember that not everything is going to pass through your will. 
there are certain documents that will pass, will say that they're non-probate assets and they pass by contract. So the example I'll give you is, let's say when you start your job, you designate a beneficiary on the life insurance policy that comes with your employment. Okay, so then, you know, regardless of what your will says, that life insurance is going to be dictated by that beneficiary you designate. That contract will say who gets that money. And so you need to be really aware of that on things like life insurance policies, uh, retirement accounts, any sort of transfer on death account that you may have. And keep those beneficiaries up to date because, again, the will, what the will says will not come into play when there are those beneficiary designations. That is great information. Now, step number five is drafting and implementing the plan. Yeah, so step five is where kind of the rubber meets the road, and, and that's where you really do need to work with the professionals to help you make some of these decisions, get everything drafted and finalized. Again, I really recommend using an attorney who's got experience in estate planning and in particular experience in agricultural estate planning. I also think it's good to loop your accountant in because there can certainly be some tax implications that could come up. If you've got an operating note or, or you know, mortgage on land, you may want to have your banker looped in to some of this just to make sure everything is good. But working with those professionals and actually getting everything drafted up and put in place it's kind of the, the end of our five-step process. This is such good information. I'm excited to personally have the knowledge and also work to put it into practice myself. Now, I also want to mention that you'll have two sessions at the School for Successful Ranching Cattle Raisers Convention, which will now be held this fall. Yeah, absolutely. I love, they're really fun sessions. We've done them for a couple of years. Cattle Raisers Convention is one of my favorite events. And so uh, we'll have one session on landowner liability and then a second session that we call Ask an Ag Lawyer. And that's a lot of fun. I recruit three or four of my ag lawyer friends. We sit up at the table and we spend about two and a half hours just answering questions from the audience. It's usually really comical, full of great information. And if you've got questions you want answered, that's the place to go. Well, that session is definitely on my list. I also want our listeners to know that you have a podcast called Ag Law in the Field that I have found extremely interesting and I've learned a ton from, and I highly recommend that everybody checks it out. You're kind. Yes, it's really fun. I've enjoyed it. You know, Every episode, I interview an ag lawyer about a different topic. We've done about 75 of those. I mean, everything from estate planning to leases to water law to you know, elder law to environmental stuff. So if you're interested in ag law, I would encourage you to check it out. Tiffany, thank you so much for being with us today. And we look forward to seeing you at convention. Yeah, Kristen, thank you for having me. I always enjoy anything I get to do with TSCRA. Joining us today to give a brief legislative update is Jeremy Fox, who works in the TSCRA Austin office. Jeremy, we're about a quarter of the way into the year. Give us a recap of the highlights that have taken place in these first few months. Well, it's really been a tremendous start to the year. You know, right away in January, things kicked off with a flurry of accomplishments coming out of Washington, D.C., really kind of headlined by a lot of uh, accomplishments in the international trade arena. We got a tremendous deal with Japan to uh, reduce interest, or excuse me, to reduce the tariff rates of beef going into that country. Uh, we have a phase one of a trade agreement with 
with China to significantly reduce some of the non-tariff barriers that are going to uh, uh, hold up beef from going to that market. And of course, we also saw the uh, ratification and signing of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement, which will replace NAFTA. And in fact, we just learned not too long ago that Canada ratified that agreement as well, kind of putting the uh, uh, final pin in, in that one. So we're really excited to get that done. It is exciting news. Now, also recently was the Texas primary election. Give us a recap on that. Yeah, that's the other really big thing that's happening this year in the uh, government and policy arena. Back a couple of Tuesdays ago, we had the uh, Super Tuesday, which was the primary election here in Texas and 13 other states. The big news of the day was the presidential primaries, especially on the Democratic side, went into the night with a handful of serious contenders and came out of the night with two, essentially uh, former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders, the self-proclaimed Democratic Socialist, really emerged from that night as the the clear front runners. And subsequent to that, the other candidates have stepped back. And we had another round of elections just last Tuesday, and that really cemented uh, Biden as the the front runner on the Democratic presidential side. So we're really kind of expecting a Trump-Biden competition here for the general election in November. But it wasn't just the presidential election. Here in Texas, we had dozens of other races that were happening, Uh, everything from U.S. Senate down to Texas House of Representatives and local races. And so uh, there were lots of things on the ticket there that that folks were were voting for. And so uh, we were very excited to uh, uh, see some of those results come in the other night. Yeah, definitely. And then the runoff election will be May 26th in the TSRA PAC we'll have information about the candidates for that, correct? Yes, ma'am, absolutely. So one of the roles of the TSCRA PAC is to to meet with those candidates, to to talk with them and see uh, what we think and who's going to be the best candidate to represent our members and cattle producers across the state. And so we are continuing to do that. Any candidate who did not get at least 50% of the vote in the uh, primary election goes to this runoff. And so as we get closer to that date, we will be updating our recommendations and getting those out to the membership. Wonderful. Now, a topic on everyone's mind right now is coronavirus, which has literally put everything on pause for the time being. What are some things that would typically be going on right now that are on pause? Well, it's uh, uh, you're exactly right. You know, just about every conversation is uh, being colored uh, by the backdrop of coronavirus right now. And we were already at a time when all eyes were focused on the election. And so it's uh, yet one more distraction from a lot of the policy type things that that we work on every day. But normally this time of year, uh, we would be getting ready to go up to Washington, D.C. to visit with our legislators up there, uh, visit with their staff about issues that are important to our members. And we would also be gearing up for interim legislative hearings here in Texas. 
And so now, uh, with everything going on with uh, coronavirus, both the capitals in Washington and Austin have restricted visitors. We've seen a lot of hearings, uh, at least non-coronavirus related hearings, being pushed back and postponed until a later date, or at very least, they're being switched to an online virtual format. And so it's definitely going to be a challenge, but uh, we're still being very attentive to make sure that nothing slips through the cracks as uh, uh, the eyes are adverted to the uh, coronavirus pandemic. Well, that makes sense. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us today and for all of your insight. Thank you for having me. So to learn more about TSCRA, visit tscra.org.